Well, Phil, what the folks just heard here was uh, our intro music, which we have heard from a very important person, uh, uh, you know, a well-known music executive uh, said that- I, I, That's what I would classify yeah, her as, yeah. yeah uh, a higher up, if you will, uh, said that our intro music does not make her want to disintegrate, uh, which we are often rolling with feedback like well, that. That's pretty great. I mean, I, I would hope that most of the rest of the podcast doesn't make her want to disintegrate either. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I won't speak for her, but I, I think uh, that was, she might have tuned out right after that part, but that, that's <laughs> that, that's okay. Uh, among feedback we got from from folks on, on our first few episodes that we published uh, last week, uh, my dad uh, very characteristically said, great job, uh, which, you know, yeah. is, is a- I always is appreciate that. Automatic. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, a leadoff homer from George Springer, yeah. automatic, you can count on it. And then uh, I think the biggest surprise was we got the CJ Smeraldo bump. Uh, yes, we did. Yeah. So, um, you know, is CJ kind of like he'll wear the band's T-shirt, but not know any of their songs type of thing? You know, CJ likes the Mariners a lot. Um, I would probably say he's a bigger football fan. Like he'll, you know, my, I've talked about this on our previous podcast before it was this iteration of the podcast, but my mind is a, as far as sports goes, it's a singularity. It's very just focused on, on baseball. I don't, mm -hmm. I couldn't name five players on the Seahawks right now. If, if, if you had a gun to my head, um, but CJ's always willing to help me learn a little bit about the Seahawks and make me not sound like a complete fool when I have to go watch them at a party or whatever. Um, but he's a little, let's put it this way. He is a little bit more, invested in the Mariners than I am in the Seahawks. And he actually, he, I mean, he, this is where he's at. He knows who Jared Kalanick is. He knows who Julio Rodriguez is. He knows those guys are the future. And even he was one amongst the first people. And on that Kevin Mather day, um, you know, I got a stream of messages from all my friends because obviously they all wanted to hear it. They know I'm a big Mariners guy. They all know, wanted to hear my take on it. CJ was amongst the first saying, is this going to damage our relationship with Kelnick? And I said, <laughs> maybe. And here we are a week later. And now the answer I can revise that to is definitely. So, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I was, I was going to touch on this in, in a little bit. Might as well get right into to some more Kevin Mather stuff. Um, it is truly wild to me. I mean, there's no, there's no need to rehash any of the things that happened, but truly wild that it was the like biggest issue in sports for a quick second mm -hmm. there. And that, that, that is insane that the Mariners were at this forefront of the zeitgeist. And my, my question was, when was the last time that was even remotely true? And I have, I have a couple thought, a couple potential options. One of which that I can remember most. Yeah, recently, what I'm, I'm racking my brain. What are you thinking? I, okay. So when the Mariners were 13 and two, I remember it happening on sports center where they, they had like the historical moment of like the, just how ridiculous this offense was. That's kind of a blip, but yeah. somewhat close to being a, a notable story. Uh, first of all, Edwin Encarnacion is a free agent still just found that out. Yeah. Today. Um, so might have to do something about that. The next thing I could think about was when we signed Adrian Beltre in mm -hmm. 05. as along with Sexton. That yes. was like a very big splash. <laughs> that was that was a Mariners team that seemed poised to really try. I remember we were probably like the best team in MLB 2005 because yeah. of that. Like our, our and teams. I will also say it's kind of sad to see because in 05, baseball was at the forefront of oh, yeah. almost all sports people's minds. Now baseball is really slidden in terms of – I don't think the numbers will reflect that in terms of people watching games, but in terms of cultural impact, baseball is far behind football and basketball, whereas it used to be pretty much number one. 
I, I always talk about this as the, the Don Zimmer inflection point of the moment that Pedro Martinez threw Don Zimmer's head to the ground <laughs> was baseball, like taking a dump on the rest of sports. Like that there, was as good as baseball is ever going to get ever that they were at the very top. And now, yeah. uh, now we can't even find their games. Uh, another one, Ichiro breaking 257. I think that that mm-hmm. was like, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, transcendent. And then the last one I could think about in modern, like the, the non-postseason era of Mariners baseball that we're currently mired in, uh, is when Felix started in Boston in like early May in 2007 up against Dice K. The game was on ESPN. Yes, yes. And he carried a no-hitter into the eighth and was broken up. Do you remember who broke that up? I don't. JD freaking Drew on like the first oh, at bat of the eighth. Uh, that was like the most important Mariners regular season. You knew game. it was going to be like some scrappy white guy. Cause that's just all Boston used to have. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it for, for Mariners stuff where they're even close to being this relevant as they were. And of course it was yeah, if for you weird, the take weirdest it on a, reason possible. If you want to take it on a negative stance, obviously they've had their fair share of scandals in the past, but for some reason, none of those have struck quite the chord that this whole Mather thing did. And I think the Mather thing, I've done a lot of reflection on this, and I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that it struck such a deep chord because it is kind of the bellwether to the impending lockout, which I think at this point, I'm more confident there will be a lockout than there won't be. I think I think at this point, the odds are better than not, which, which really sucks, and I think all the Mather thing did was really solidify that. Yeah, and I think it gave the players a firm leg to stand on uh, yes. with, with their arguments. Um, with the Mather stuff, the I was also reflecting and trying to contextualize just how odd it was. And there were two things that it reminded me of. One is the Donald Sterling tapes. Um, yeah. Obviously, much more flagrantly, overtly racist and terrible yeah. in that regard with Donald, with Donald Sterling. But that was also a private conversation that was recorded by... B. Stiviano, his mistress or, or, you know, whatever her relationship was to him. So not supposed to hit the airwaves. And then the other one was the Brian Colangelo burner account tweets. Uh, the, yeah, the, you're going to have to fill me in on that because I'm not that familiar with that. So this is the, the former Toronto Raptors turned Philadelphia Sixers, 76ers GM, uh, president of basketball operations, what have you, um, who either him or his wife or both of them basically created somewhere around eight, roughly eight burner accounts oh, there you go. First one. That, that were tweeting shit about like Jaleel Okafor uh, failing a physical. And that's why he couldn't get traded uh, talking about how this is Ben Simmons's team and not Joel Embiid's team and uh, reporters at the ringer, Ben Dietrich, among others. How did they figure st- it out? Yeah. They, they, they basically found that it was like extremely important information um that only this person would know like the feeling of physical stuff like that did some investigative reporting and found that um like they would only follow accounts that were like very specific to to the colangelo family uh did they did the colangelos fess up at the end well i mean because it wasn't uh you know signed sealed and delivered once the news came out the uh the sixers had to like do an investigation and figure out you know was this and then they they came to some sort of conclusion then colangelo resigned so it's similar in that regard except that's like covert you have to uncover that donald sterling is like you know it's it's a part of a of a lawsuit this is just like and on youtube (laughs) i want to bring uh to attention another thing and this is again a cultural thing with sports did you see the um hot water that the Barcelona management is in Barcelona football club. Um, 
apparently what they've been doing is they've been uh, paying uh, these covert social media operatives to go on social media and trash their own players. To what end, I'm not sure, but it's just been come to light. I, I'm not super um, well-versed on it, but again, it's just another example of management doing these weird things where they have these like million and million dollar assets, multi-million dollar assets in these players and they just are hell bent on destroying it. I, I don't understand it, but it is part of the culture of, of sports now. Yeah. Well, uh, we are still hunting for a new president. In the meantime, it is John Stanton, um, who is, who is still the guy. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip here. And okay. John's, you know, we, we talk about who, who sets the culture, uh, in, in the Mariners. And I want you to listen to this clip and you tell me, uh, who sets the culture in, uh, in, in Mariners based off of what you hear here, uh, interact with every day, including Tim and Kevin, Kelly, and Adam. It's also built around the uh, staff of people who work here, the roughly 300 people who work in T-Mobile Park. It's also based around the roughly thousand people who are day of game staff that work. So that was oh John my Stanton. God. John oh Stanton my God. In so his, Jerry DePoto is the ringleader. I mean, Jerry I, DePoto be, is behind be all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you want evidence, there's there's two non. That's the two messages. smoking guns right there. Those are the yep. two smoking guns. Once, once I mean, what I mean, this is this is spreading. First of all, it hit us a long time ago, and now it's hitting the owner of the team. I, and you know how in uh, I I mean I've read a lot of leadership books because I was thrust into a leadership role in a very young age, and a big part of leadership in cult in corporate culture and stuff is is sort of like uh, behavior mimicking. Mm-hmm. So we're already starting to see Stanton mimic DePoto, not the other way around. So th- this is very shocking, very shocking development. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not surprising, I guess, that a man is, as powerful as Jared Poto has, has uh, caught force this way, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it, our ears tuned to this throughout the season. Um, one thing. Wow, this before, is like some Watergate scandal level uh, detective yeah. work you just did. We told you at the beginning of this on in our intro that we weren't going to be a hard hitting journalistic podcast. We were straight lying to you, right? We, yeah. <laughs> we got you in thinking we were infotainment, but God, we are. We're like. Um, this is this is investigative journalism. This is like uh, who's the guy who broke the Watergate scandal? Yeah, I uh, was just trying to remember their names as yeah. well. Uh, Robert Redford was the actor. Bernstein? Bernstein? Bur- the, Bernstein. The Bur- yes, the Bernstein Bears broke the. Okay, broke there we go. <laughs> I think it was Bernstein. I'm going to yeah. look it up. Uh, Carl was one of the names. Uh, this is this is great uh, testament to our intelligence here. But one thing before we get into the actual agenda here is we are presidentless, um, as we've hammered home many times now with the departure of Kevin Mather. Carl Bernstein. Carl, Carl Bernstein. Carl Bernstein. <laughs> And we both a, got happened. I said Bernstein and you said Carl. There's another one though. There's there's two yeah, of them. Let me, yeah. Bob Woodward. Bob yeah. Wood, Woodward's the guy that wrote the uh the the Trump book, the rage book uh recently. He's kind of the the, the go-to of like, is this as bad as Watergate? The last couple. Okay. And then yeah. he like does the uh the thing in Gladiator where he like holds his thumb up, yes or no, whether it's yeah. worse, <laughs> than, worse than Watergate. Uh anyways, we need a president. Obviously, you and I have thrown our names into the hat. That was that yeah. was that was clear. But uh, if we're Still looking for someone <laughs> someone more qualified than us, if it's possible, I have a name for you. Who's that? It's not an inventive name. You've probably heard it. Uh, another Kevin. Another Kevin. Mm, M. Yeah, I have heard this. Mm-hmm. 
Kevin Martinez, uh, the SVP of marketing for the Mariners, has been for for uh, in the marketing department for quite some time. This is the same man who uh, got you know gave away free ten thousand Edgar Martinez rubber ducks at some point. I I, he's, I, I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm a Kevin Martinez. Let me guy. ask you a question, and this is not me. Um trying to do a gotcha moment because i truly don't know the answer to this question sure what does the president of a baseball team do he's not obviously the gm he's not the owner what is the president what do they do what what's well, their role as we found out last weekend they um they hold their hand out waiting for their ring to be kissed uh, as, yeah, as, as players come back waiting for for a contract offer um i'm not sure i think it's basically the like adjusting of the financial levers um you know kind of like truly the ebenezer because Scrooge the owners, abacus stuff that goes the owner into sets everything. the budget the sure. owner sets the budget the gm uses that budget to fill out the roster what input or say I, i'm not minimizing kevin mather you know being in a position of power obviously he was but I, 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 and you know, Stanton has obviously, for one reason or another, told everybody in the media that you know Jerry Depoto has the final roster decisions. That has nothing to do with Kevin Mather. So if he doesn't have say over the purse strings and he doesn't have say over the roster, what really is the role of the president? I think it's a lot of like um, you know deciding. You know, there's people below you that you know are working with potential vendors of like mm. you know let's get this craft beer in the stadium at this price. Are you going to sign off on that? yes or no let's you know like let's sign off on ideas like the pen and like um you know uh our partnerships with sweet owners and things like that it's it's, it's a lot and of... he obviously controls the parking garage as yes exactly yeah we did get a pretty good lens into that but seriously yeah. about kevin kevin martinez here because i mm-hmm. through through some again hard-hitting journalism found out that he is a fellow fantasy football commissioner, which tells me that this man has dealt with controversy in the past. Mm-hmm. That is undeniable. Uh, and that he is very patient, which are two, two important things. And the other thing I love about Kevin Martinez, he has held on to a senior level marketing position for two decades with a bad product, <laughs> which is yeah. akin to being like the CMO for Blimpy and keeping it alive when you're competing with like Subway and Quiznos and Jimmy Jones. And the Mariners have always gotten great reviews on their, yeah. in terms of their aesthetic, the ballpark, the way it looks, the way, uh, you know, we market to our fans. They've always gotten great reviews on there. Totally. It's just the on-field product that has always struggled. Yeah. And that's not his fault. I mean, Kevin Martinez no. is, is making lemon out of, out of, you know, chicken, Die. I have no, I have no idea. Terrible analogy, but he, he's, he's, but, do, yeah, I get the point. He's, he is doing the most with, uh, with not a lot to work with and has for a long time. And I think, you know, I, I wouldn't blame the Mariners for looking elsewhere and saying we want to hire someone who has an experience of, of setting culture and being more inclusive and things like that, that are well, certainly important and needed. Yeah. But who's to say Kevin Martinez can't do that. And we just, yeah. Don't know. And listen, I'm not one of these big, like, oh, you need to hire a woman or you need to hire a minority type of people. I think you should probably hire somebody who can just change the culture. But at the same time, you got a really good applicant who just so happens to be Latino, mm. you know, sitting right there in in front of you. And especially after, and I'm not saying you need to go overboard with, you know, Mather's comments, but, you know, you have a, he was in what we talked about this last time, uh, you know, very stereotypical way to describe, uh, you know, a guy from the Dominican Republic is loud and brash and whatever. Yep. Um, you know, 
I, I think it's worth touch. looking into. Yeah, I think it's worth looking into somebody who might uh, have a different perspective. And I think that's all I really, I don't want to, you know, because this can delve into a, a long political discussion. We don't need to go there. But I think it's worth looking into, uh, you know, Martinez. And that's, you know, maybe a point in his favor. Yeah, I mean, if, if they announced in two weeks that Kevin Martinez is the guy, I would have my sign of approval. And if it's someone else, then I would have to, uh, you know, do some research. But mm-hmm. I think we're a pro Kevin Martinez podcast. At this yeah, point. we are. Yeah. Well, Phil, there have been two spring training games today, including one that just wrapped up uh, not too long ago. Um, but uh, you and I have not seen any of them, uh, save no. for whatever the Mariners have been able to put out on social media uh, because of very uh, silly things. So uh, I'm starting a new hashtag called not where I root because there's just this is not where I root because I can't yeah. see the game to even talk about it. Uh, the first Mariners game uh, was Sunday afternoon. Uh, and according to, uh, you know, I don't have root sports where I am, but, uh, according to Ryan Divish in his post about, um, about the television situation, Divish says, what was on root sports at that time? Because the Mariners weren't, uh, well, there was a Mariners game from 2001 and after the basketball game, game between you guessed it, Clemson and Miami, which was live ended root aired a replay of a game between the Mariners and Rangers from July 2nd, 2001. Now there's a lot of jokes about the Mariners uh, being more focused on celebrating the past than, than mm-hmm. embracing the future to be made here. Uh, but this move comes down to cost savings. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's expensive to have a camera crew down in, in Peoria for not that many people watching in the middle of a day on Sunday, but those are, that sentiment is not going to really, uh, hit home with an, with a fan base who just heard their president yeah. uh, openly brag about being cheap <laughs> for, uh, for, you know, for everyone to hear. And then the first thing we get after that, when we just want to watch some baseball is more cheapness. You know, I do a lot of things in my business that cost me money without immediate return, because I know in the end, I'm going to be making dividends on those little investments. Can I guess it's what one of those is? What's that? The biscottis. Yeah, exactly. The tiramisu for a birthday, celebrating all those kinds of things. None of those things are making me money, but I understand. And this is just very basic business principle. I Maybe they have their own rationale for not airing the games. But I understand that to grow an audience and to grow a culture around your business, sometimes you're going to have to take a little haircut and lose yeah. a little money up front. Uh, it's just absurd. I mean, how much could these these how much could it cost? I, I, I don't even know. I'm going to speculate a number. $2 million to air all the games. Does that feel right? Well, it doesn't even really matter because again, this, this, we, we were heard directly from the source that, that Mariners are in a better financial position than, yeah, other, exactly. than other teams. So use a and, little bit of that cash. And it's because of our TV deal and we're not even getting to see the games <laughs> on the TV. It's just absurd. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. And the same TV deal that just scored the Kraken. So, I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, they, they have a big financial wave coming their way that, you know, you wouldn't, as a business and you know money is coming your way you can start to make decisions that are basically assuming you have that money now because it's that's, that's exactly. how you grow and uh it wouldn't be so hurtful if there weren't other teams airing all 29 of their games and mm-hmm. the dodgers are doing it the angels are doing it other teams are following suit it, yeah. just, it doesn't make sense well and and i mean apples to or apples to apples here uh i remember watching those angels games last year and you know this is a dumb thing to compare but their cardboard fan cutout situation to the mariners like the mariners had 
was was one of the more beautiful sites in all of baseball. Yeah, right? the way they had that going last year. There was I an appetite want... for this. There is an appetite for this. I don't want to get on you know the soapbox, but there have been so many people who have stuck by this franchise through so much. And it just feels like they never stop putting the knife right in our back. It, it kind of hurts. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it almost makes you wonder why you care so much when they care so little about you as a customer. Yeah. And, and they're, they are, it's not like they're not going to televise games. Eight of them will be televised. However, why not just have the first two televised at least? I mean, it, yeah. this, is, this is the opportunity to just t- change the conversation to basically have, as Divish put it, a three-hour commercial for Mariners baseball. Exactly. In, in Seattle, in, when it's not nice out yet, it makes no sense. Use it. Um, so it, it, that's frustrating. But it did get me thinking. Uh, where I root, of course, is the, the root hashtag that they use all the time, asking fans to, uh, to send in photos of where they are watching the game. Uh, I don't know if I've tried it yet from from uh, my home out here. But I've not tried it either. But you would probably get more success because they want people globally, and you're all right. the way out in Boston, so you so probably I, get on there. Yeah. I've always wanted to um, to post a, a photo that would implicate me in like a hostage situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like some something in the background that spelled out help or uh, <laughs> some something like that, and see if they would air that um, from that. So yeah, I'm, it's got to be subtle though. It's got to be super subtle where it can for sure. by the filters. For yeah. sure. Or just yeah. like it's a four sentence tweet, but each like the capital letter of each sentence starts. It's like H-E-L-P. Like yeah. that, <laughs> that sort of thing. So we we uh, will try that at some point. Uh, and I actually know some folks at Root. So we can maybe help that along. Um, but yeah, it's it's frustrating. Anyways, the, the, the first two games that have been played, uh, game one on Sunday, the, the Mariners won, uh, which is totally mm-hmm. inconsequential because these games are just complete silly silliness at this point. The the rules, you can roll over an inning, uh, yeah. not even going. You don't even have to finish the inning. Yeah. But of course, uh, the game the first game ends with a Julio Rodriguez walk-off single to score Jared Kellen. Yeah, isn't uh, that just poetic? Yeah, it's too bad that... Um, you know, Kyle Seeger and uh, Hishashi Ibukuma weren't weren't implicated at some point as well. Yeah. Um, but any any thoughts from what you've been able to to gather from from those first two games or from that first game specifically? Well, I want to just we're going to be talking about spring training games uh, for a couple weeks, and some of them we're going to be able to tell see on TV. I'm going to give the same disclaimer I give every single spring training. Let's not look too hard at this. Pitchers are working on, you know, different grips on pitches. Hitters are tweaking and tinkering with their mechanics a little bit. Let's not scout box scores. Cause if you just scout the box score, you're, you're inevitably going to be left down. There's very uh, little correlation with what goes on in spring to how these players are going to produce in uh, the coming months. Mm-hmm. So let's not look too hard at that. Let's instead. And I know this is going to be the cliche here, but with the best shape of his life. But I do like to see if players have made some sort of body transformation. I, I mean, now that we have track mandata with exit velocities, because again, spring training, double uh, A, triple A, or on the major league field, you can't fake how hard the ball is coming off your bat. So let's look at those sort of metrics. Let's not look too hard into like, what's this guy's ERA. But like, in for instance, I'd be okay with saying, wow, uh, Iwakuma is throwing or Iwakuma, Jesus, we were just talking about Iwakuma. Iwakuma's throwing a lawsuit. Or... Uh, Kikuchi's throwing 98. He hasn't ever done that. Or, you know, James Paxson, he's back up to 95 where he was pre-injury. Those are things that may be more indicative of future success, but I try really hard to not scout the box score in uh, in spring training. So you are meaning to tell me that when Rick Rez told me on today's broadcast 
uh, or, you know, radio cast, Domingo Tapia, remember the name that uh, I shouldn't listen to that or, or should? Well, maybe with Riz, uh, I mean, Tapia is an interesting guy because he throws a hundred. He just, he's another sort of Gerson Batista type throws a hundred, doesn't know where it's going. Yeah. If, if Tapia was working out with Justin Dunn uh, over this offseason, then then we might have a chance there because uh, Justin Dunn, I think, is the, you know, talking about body transformation. He is the mm-hmm. uh, the king of that so far in, in early returns. Um, you know, basically, it sounds like from what Scott Service was saying today uh, in the media availability before the game that uh, there was somewhat of an ultimatum given to him that if he wanted to be a starter for the Mariners going forward, that he had to do X, Y, and Z with his body and up his, his velocity, and he did all of it. So... Um, that, that'll be something to keep track of from the sound of it. It certainly seems like it's his spot to lose and Margavicious might be slated for a long relief role. Yeah. I admit that's just me reading in between the lines, but it just, it feels as though that is probably going to be the case unless, yeah, they, unless Dunn comes out and really performs poorly. It seems like it's his job to lose. They have more invested in Dunn. It makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, pedigree wise, he's probably the guy that you're, that you're looking for there. Um, I mean, you talk about qualitative uh, back-to-back games in, in just a few at-bats that Evan White has either torched one uh, into, the, into the outfield for, for a hit or uh, taken one to the track in, in today's case. So more hard-hitting from Evan White uh, in just a small sample size, but obviously that's what we want to see. Can yeah, and I'm going to get into one of the things in our five stats, and one of them is going to involve Evan White, so I don't want to delve too deeply into him yet, quite yet. Gotcha. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it that we can see. I mean, um, yeah. you know, these, these guys aren't going, deep well, we can't see any games we, we <laughs> yeah. hear or we can look on Twitter. Yeah. 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 It's, it's rough. Um, so we will cherish the first game that we actually get to see and you're lucky root sports that we are psychos and we'll stick around uh, to see yeah. whatever you produce for us. Uh, so in the meantime, we get to talk extra long about things that aren't actually baseball, including uh, a story that came out in the middle of last week, um, in the USA Today, so not a Seattle paper, um, that was a feature story written by USA Today writer Bob Nightingale uh, about Jared Kelenic. He got face-to-face time with Kelenic um, and his agents from Clutch Sports. Uh, and the big implication, uh, among other things, was essentially uh, confirming what uh, Kevin Mather had, had said was, was true, that the Mariners were manipulating his service time and holding him out of action last year mm-hmm. uh, on purpose so that the Mariners basically got more, uh, you know, big league seasons out of him. And uh, that there was also a quid pro quo between the Mariners where uh, if Kellenick took the extension that, again, Kevin Mather uh, briefed us on the six-year deal, that he would have been on the big league ball club. And I want to say, season. just for fairness, just for fairness, the Mariners, Jerry DePoto specifically, has been asked about that. That is something he has vehemently denied. He did not yep. deny that yep. there was a contract going out to Kalanick, but that contract was by no means a, hey, you're on the big league club if you sign this. That So so just to hear the other side of the story there. Yep. Uh, Kalanick said that it was, that was multi, or reiterated to him multiple times throughout last season. Um, the other weird thing in there was he said that when Jerry DePoto gave an apology to the team the morning after the, the Kevin Mather uh, debacle, he said that it was like someone had farted in church, which I don't, obviously I know what a fart in church, it, it, the implication is there. I don't yeah. re- really know how that applies to what DePoto said. It's like, was, yeah, was, that, the, that was it awkward? As as well. Yeah. Um, so that was odd. And then the quote that really got me uh, was from Kalanick. I still love the fans and the city. This doesn't change anything towards Seattle or the fans of the team. If anything, I'm more motivated to bring World Series championship to Seattle. That's how I feel. If that were the case, 
you do not give this story to Bob mm-hmm. Nightingale of mm-hmm. the USA Today. You give this yeah. to Ryan Divish or Corey Brock or someone in Seattle um, that actually. And you also maybe you also just don't even do it because also that. essentially, essentially what you're doing is accusing your general manager of lying to you that uh, because uh, Depoto is saying one thing now, Kellnick saying no, that's not true. He would told me I was going to be on the team, and I don't know. Again, maybe this is me speaking from a position of management where I'm not as empathetic as I should be to the gripe of the player, but I feel as though I am pretty fair to the player. Um, It's just, it's just not something you do. You handle this internally um, and you can yell and scream at them behind closed doors all you want. You can threaten I'm out of here after six years because you guys have manipulated me and you better put me and you can do that. That's your right as a, as, but to make us ugly situation already uglier, you're essentially pitting yourself against the Mariners and, I, I I've said this before and I, I, I don't almost, I, I, I understand how this is going to come off, but I root for the Seattle Mariners. You root for the Seattle Mariners. Are they always correct in the way they go about things? No, but should I feel good about one of the players on the, in the organization taking pot shots at, you know, management? I, I don't love that either. I, I just don't. And I really hope Kellenick has a great, you know, six years with the Mariners and they sign him to a long-term extension and all of that stuff. But I think it's well within reason to say, Hey, this is not the best way for you to be arriving on the scene. And, and, and just to go on uh, maybe a little ramble or tangent here, essentially what he's saying is I'm better than Jake Fraley. I'm better than Jose Marmaleos. And that's a hell and major league baseball is not easy. And that is a hell of a thing to basically tell the world and how do you think those guys are feeling right now about the way that you were saying, well, I can help the Mariners and these guys can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just not, it's just not the right thing to do. And I don't think I could be convinced otherwise. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I agree. And, and the, the difficult thing with this is, you know, 24 hours earlier, less, uh, Jer- well, a little bit more, Jerry DePoto had said on, on, uh, you know, at a press conference that he encouraged, players to speak their minds about you know yeah. what, what they felt and you know he got what he asked for and jared kellenick spoke his mind um i think you know to me again spoke to the wrong person uh bob nightingale has no not that Corey brock and ryan divish are employees of the mariners by any means but he has no interest he has at all. no yeah affiliation no, he, he wants he he wants this to be as well you know most clicked on red story as salacious possible. juicy he wants to ham it up absolutely so th- there would be stuff that you know would be given to kill it to divish or to brock and that they probably would not have included in this story and they mm-hmm. would have tried to get sources from the mariner side and they would have made it into a different type of article that's a little more balanced instead it was let's give a microphone to jared kellenick and really all it does in my opinion is you know it it Jared Kellenick should have to play well to make this team. It makes sense. Uh, but all it does is if, if it's ambiguous, whether he should make this team coming out of spring, then things like this are going to, you know, color the situation in Kellenick's favor. If he doesn't make the team, because it's like, well, you know, you think of all you've done to him and uh, you know, this, this isn't yeah. right. This isn't fair when really, you know, it should be a merit based system of whether, whether Kellenick is coming through. And I want to bring up two points. He is 21 years old. We did <laughs> That's my next things. bullet point. Is we, we, is... we did dumb things when we were that age too. Yep. And we probably didn't think through things as well as we probably should have. And we didn't realize how 
things sounded. Um, and honestly, I think maybe he didn't want the article to say, I don't know, this is a entirely speculation, but maybe he didn't want the article to sound that way. But, you know, when a big national guy says, hey, I'm your buddy, I'm your pal, I can help you out. Maybe they it's a hard lesson to learn. They don't always have your best intentions at heart. And all they want is to drive clicks to their website. Uh, number two, though, and I will say this, uh, Jared Kelnick is represented by a very smart uh, agency. Okay, Clutch Sports, they have done this sort of tactic, and I've looked into them. They have done this sort of tactic in other sports. I know Anthony Davis was one of their yep. big clients. Um, so they obviously know what they're doing, and maybe they're even feeding Kelnick bad advice in terms of in terms of what how they want this situation to go, and maybe Jared didn't want the situation to go that way. But either way, it is where we are now. Uh, in an awkward situation where Kelnick is distrustful of the Mariners, the Mariners are distrustful of Kelnick, and he's probably the best prospect you've ever had uh, yeah. since A-Rod. So it's going to be an awkward six-year marriage, and I think that is just the way it's going to be, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, it is too bad, and, you know, it'll just make the, you know, if he starts out in double-A or triple-A or whatever, it'll make that interim before he makes it to the majors awkward. And I want, and this news just broke about 10 minutes ago. So you might not have even seen this yet, but uh, the triple a season just got delayed a month. So they're, oh. they're doing the alternate training site. So it's I, now bear with me for a second. Imagine this scenario. Jared Kelnick does not make the team out of spring. Okay. He is sent to the alternate training site before he even, <laughs> before he even plays one inning of triple a or double a baseball. And he's just sitting at the alternate site. Then they call him up. How do you think he's going to feel about that situation where they sort of, where the Mariners have said, well, he needs more at-bats in the minors. And then they never even give him another at-bat in the minors and they call him up from the alternate training site. This is interesting. So so it's just the triple A? Like, triple well, A, double A, and single A are all being pushed back. And there will be an alternate training site for at least a month. Okay, so, so double A and single A were already – a month behind AAA. Okay, so that makes exactly. sense. So they they will all start um, around. The and same the time. expectation the expectation was okay. Kellenick's going to go to AAA. If he flashes at AAA for a month, then we can talk about bringing him up. Now you either put him at the alternate training site and bring him up without any minor league experience, or you wait for the alternate training site to be over. But that could be a month until the tri AAA season starts. Then you give him a month in AAA. And then you're already talking about June. So it, it, it's a very, now it, it's a complicated situation that already just got a lot more complicated. So, so it'll be interesting to see how the Mariners try and navigate this. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, it, it's too bad that um, the, the sole factor isn't just how good Jared Kellenick looks at playing yeah. every, every day left field and, and, you know, with the bat, that, that, that would be the, the barometer there, but um, you know, he's made it, well, not he's made it. This has gotten more complicated over the last couple of weeks. So I'll just say yeah. that. Um, before we get into uh, a segment I'm excited for, which is uh, deeming a, a slogan for for this year's Mariners team, because the Mariners always have a, a you know a, a unifying slogan behind their teams. You got to love these guys, etc. I'm going to let you cook for a little bit. Um, okay. This this is uh, Phil's five stats. So this is this is five stats that Phil has deemed are uh, essential to, to the Mariners success or, or, you know, failure this season and, and, or just very important stats that he thinks will define 2021. So he'll, he'll go one by one on those. I'll chime in a little bit, but this is something I have never seen before. Um, 
kind of like a, a Mariners season game in, in 2021. Yeah, there you go. So let's start off with number one. And thank you for the opportunity to just kind of ramble like I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk a lot about strikeout rates, right? Uh, it's not, you don't need to be a sabermetrics genius to understand that a ball in play always has a chance to become a base hit, no matter how poor the contact is. You'd obviously like the contact to be better, but every time you strike out, you're essentially robbing yourself of a chance for a uh, seeing eye single. You're robbing yourself of a chance to just get on base some way, somehow a misplay on the ball. So we obviously hate strikeouts. Um, Kyle Lewis and Evan White, both of those guys strike out a fair bit. Evan White over 41% last year, which was second in the majors just behind uh, Miguel Sano. And then Kyle Lewis, we've seen in his whole career, single A on up to the majors, uh, that he does have a swing and miss and a strikeout problem. Both of those guys, obviously, we've talked about their exit velocities. They hit the ball extremely hard when they do make contact. Um, the caveat being, of course, when they make contact. Uh, if we can see sub 30% strikeout rates from both Kyle Lewis and Evan White, and I don't know if that's 100% feasible for both of them, but if we could see it from even one of them, you're looking at at, uh, uh, at least above average player in the case of, of Kyle Lewis, if he can stay below 30% in terms of his um, his strikeout rate, along with playing very good center field like he did last year. For White, it's going to be a little harder because first basemen are expected to hit. Um but with Lewis, if you see the same quality of contact and you just pare down on those strikeouts a little bit, you're looking at an all-star player, a perennial all-star player. Um, so that that's going to be one to track all season long. And I will say this, if you see Kyle Lewis and he's hovering around a 25% strikeout rate, but you're noticing the quality of the contact is really good, uh, and, but the results just haven't been there yet, don't get impatient the results will come baseball takes a long time to figure out uh that's why there's 162 games so just let the if he stays if he stays solid on that on that strikeout rate you're gonna you're going to see uh uh, the really good results follow i like it so first one in the books is strikeout rate for kyle lewis and evan white 30 percent is is the uh the barometer there do you do you have and this is again you know not a gotcha situation if if we can avoid it but 30 percent i mean who is, who is uh, like your guy for either of those guys that, you know, they, they've mastered that problem in major league baseball that, you know, that they got their number right up below 30% and really iron things out for them. So actually a really good example, also an outfielder, big, strong guy, Aaron judge came up initially struck out over 40% of the time. And there was a lot of speculation that man, this guy hits the ball hard, but he just, he has a real problem with this. He got it. He didn't, he, Aaron, Aaron Judge is still prone to striking out a lot, but he got it to a point that was acceptable enough to start letting that power play. And now you've seen Aaron Judge as a uh, as a perennial all-star. I think you could see Kyle Lewis follow in the same vein. Another guy that was had huge strikeout concerns uh, coming up, a Eugenio Suarez with the Reds. He didn't get it all the way down. He's not a contact hitter by any means, but he got it down under 30% and he allowed that power to shine. That's really all you're looking for. You don't need Kyle Lewis to strike out at the same rate as JP Crawford. You need him to strike out less than what he's been accustomed to. Beautiful. Well done. All right. What's your second stat? Speaking of JP Crawford, let's talk about him for a second. Let's talk about the slugging percentage um, statistic. And so this is part of that triple slash line the triple slash line being batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, right? Mm -hmm. J.P. Crawford 
even when his batting average isn't great, he has such a good eye and he is so disciplined that the on-base percentage is always pretty solid. The problem with him is everything that goes in the field is a single. Uh, the Mariners apparently have, you know, asked him to get stronger, swing the bat a little bit harder, and to actually put some umph behind it. We'll see if that comes to light. But when we see J.P. Crawford hitting, we'd love to see some of those singles turn into doubles. And that's going to be measured by his slugging percentage. With him and with most players, so Edgar Martinez was very famous for this. His triple slash line, he had the best um, run of 300 batting average, 400 on base, 500 slugging. Uh, I think most consecutive years in major league history. Um, I'm not sure if that's hundred percent true, but it was something along those lines. And um, we want to see JP Crawford with a slugging percentage, not 500. Cause that's, that's, that's borderline elite. We want to see him somewhere around 420, 430, 440. If he can get up to there, we're looking at a good player. Uh, he was, uh, he was my pick to click last time we talked, uh, for, mm-hmm. for the expectation that he does exactly that, that, um, and you know, my, my antidote for him was just swinging at the easy stuff a little bit more and taking the bat off his shoulders a little bit, being yep. a little less selective at the plate in addition to the increased strength, uh, hopefully will will help him get there, but love it. Any, any pro JP Crawford stuff, uh, is, is going to fly in my book. All right. So let's talk about one. That's a little bit more of an old school stat, but I think still has a value. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi, ERA. And I you, I chose ERA for a very specific reason here instead of one of the more advanced metrics. Uh, you could use his FIP, but last year his FIP was really good, right? And the ERA lagged behind. And when we're talking about, you're going to hear, uh, a lot of people are going to hear these sort of terminologies used uh, in more mainstream media. So it's worth knowing when people talk about your peripherals, they're talking about the stats that affect your mainstream stats, sort of your ERA your, your, uh, you know, wins, losses, if you want to even get that archaic, but his peripheral stats, his FIP, his fielding independent pitching statistics were super strong last year. He would strike out a lot of guys. He cut down on the walks. He got a lot of swing and miss all the things you like to see out of the pitcher, but the ERA still lagged behind. Now, if sabermetrics are to be believed that ERA and that FIP should start closing the gap between one another the whether the FIP was too good last year or the ERA was too high last year remains to be seen but FIP is more of a long-term indicator whereas ERA is more prone to luck and fluctuation so what we want to see from Kikuchi this year is to keep that FIP and we'll watch that ERA come down over a long enough sample size I will say that uh, that makes all the sense in the world to me that um, but if if Kikuchi really does come into himself later in this season um that might be one of the most and and look, look like the guy we expected or hoped for mm-hmm. when we when we signed him and he had that adorable press conference when he said that he signed with the mariners because they, they needed him the most uh that if that happens in the, the timing of it heading into next season which is obviously the you know the the golden season for the mariners that that might be one of the true master strokes of this signing is getting a guy uh then to develop him basically over the course of two years and get him to this point exact at exactly that moment with Kikuchi, who has that odd contract um, where there's options coming at the end of next season. And there's a, there's a player option and there's a club option, but the club option overrides the player option. It is confusing, but we'll probably touch on that as um, later in the season, as that becomes more of a reality. Yeah. Yeah. I love it though. Uh, that, you know, the indicators for, for Kikuchi are, are all, you know, 
green looking up, but we just haven't seen him actually put together those those nice clean box score starts um, mm-hmm. as as of yet on a consistent basis. What's your what's your fourth stat here? Okay, so one more pitching one, and then I'll do a holistic team one to end it. Beautiful. Uh, let's talk about the. We just talked about ERA. Let's talk about FIP. So we want to look at um, the bullpen's FIP. They're fielding independent pitching statistic. We want to see from our bullpen, especially the new guys, Andres Munoz. We want to see uh, Montero. We want to see Graveman. All those guys as a collective. And again, there's going to be hmm, anywhere from 12 to 18 relievers you're going to see at some point this season. I think a massive success uh, given where the team was last year uh, of a FIP below 4.5, something in that four range, uh, low four, maybe even if you want to get greedy, high three range for their FIP. Uh, The bullpen was obviously an area where Jerry DePoto right off the bat said, we need to address this. We want to win the one games as he's, as he called it, you know, the games that have already been won. We don't want to give those ones away. Um, So he put a lot of, and to me, I don't, I've never really been somebody who's cared so deeply about the bullpen because I've always kind of instinctually realized that's the easiest portion of the team to fix, but it's a good barometer to see, okay, how is Jerry DePoto at evaluating free agents? Because this year, the bulk of his free agents and trade acquisitions were uh, pitcher uh, pitchers in the bullpen. So it's more to me, a indicator of, well, when he needs to go out and get that third baseman next year where he needs to go out and fill that dh spot next year does he have the right evaluative tools uh to do so because we we i think we it's pretty clear at this point they're they're pretty good at um player development developing their own guys he still has a very mixed track record with uh free agent signings mark shipchensky you know two years 14 million did not work out um uh, Juan Nicasio did not work out. Uh, there, there's been quite Adam Lynn did not work out. So there's been, it's been a mixed bag, um, for DePoto on that end. So I, I would like to see some success there to kind of ease my concerns about Jerry DePoto as a major league talent evaluator. And FIP is something that, that we're going to, you know, will become more in the lexicon of not just this podcast, but baseball in general. Um, it's similar to, you know, my eyes don't go to batting average or or slugging yeah. or OPS as much anymore as it goes to RWRC plus because it's more inclusive and and you know it, again is full of indicators rather than just results based. What goes into FIP that makes it worth paying attention to? So FIP is basically a version of ERA. You can kind of almost scale it uh the same as ERA, whereas a 3.00 ERA is really good. A 3.00 FIP is really good. Uh, FIP meaning fielding independent pitching statistic, right? So it basically, once the ball, all it measures is once the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, it's out of their control at that point. Uh, Because you don't want to have a situation where, okay, well, we're evaluating one pitcher with nine gold glovers around him, and we're evaluating another pitcher who's pitching in Coors Field with the worst defense of all time. Of course, no matter what the guy does, in course field, he's going to have a worse ERA than the guy who has nine gold glovers around him. Um, there is other versions of FIP that I like a little bit better because they do take into account the quality of contact. So there's XFIP, which measures um, how a uh, how if if the ball is consistently just getting smoked off the guy and going into the gaps, XFIP will take that into account, whereas regular FIP will not. Um, but it's a good FIP is a good quick and dirty um, 
way to evaluate a pitcher um, separated from the things he cannot control on his defense. Wonderful. Uh, let's move on to, to the fifth one. And the question here is, can you pull an Ichiro in, say, like August 2004 and go five for five here? I'm going to try, but the last one's a very old school metric. Well, I'm ready. How about this one? Total team wins. We okay. need to start seeing this. We need to start seeing this team get better. We can talk all we want about, you know, well, we got this coming down the pike and we've got uh, Kalanick that's going to play left and Julio Rodriguez that can, you know, be the corner outfielder for years to come. And, oh, I saw flashes from uh, J.P. Crawford again. I, we need to be done seeing flashes. We need to start seeing this. Last year, I was more than happy to see flashes. We need to start seeing, and we have 162 games to see it this year. We need to start seeing consistent results, and not only consistent results, but consistent results that bear fruit. We need to start seeing some wins. I'm not expecting 90 wins this year, but if the team falls flat on its face and wins, you know, 65 games again, that's cause for concern. And I don't, I, I would be the last one, and I love statistics, but I'd be the last one to fall back on those in that case because no matter what you want to and how you want to rationalize things something went wrong down along the lines where you lost you know 100 plus games and we just can't have that happen again that would be it would put a huge damper on to what i think could be a great season next year if we're if we're coming from a standpoint of hey we only won 65 games i think that's that's a important point especially in the context of first of all, Major League Baseball, but especially the American League, uh, yeah. that if the Mariners are in that 65 win range, it means that they're not that much better than the teams that really are trying to suck actively. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, we, we talked last week, of you don't want to be in the, the 80 win range. You either want to be, you know, go, getting bad and getting good picks or being uh, in playoff contention. But I do think that the Mariners are somewhat, closer to the four or to the latter than the former mm -hmm. uh, and they need to show it and i think it you know total team wins is is tough but i do think that almost who they beat matters like yeah can, can you crush bad teams can you they you need know, to they need to demonstrate that they are better than the teams that are actively tanking like if you if you go to camden yards for a three-game series in in august can can you just destroy them can you take advantage of a bad bullpen can you can you shut a, a an order down you know can you can you have a, an ace start from guys like Sheffield and Kikuchi against bad lineups? Because uh, you're going to struggle against Toronto and yeah, New York, New York. And, and you know Oakland and, and teams that are in it. But can you show that you are clearly better than these teams who are a step behind you in the rebuilding process? Mm -hmm. uh, and and you know challenge those teams. And we saw a little bit of that last year. I mean, the Mariners were competitive. With the Padres, you know, they had a couple of good games against the Dodgers. Um, but I, I, I can't really take any of those seriously because those are such small sample sizes. Yeah. So I think the 162 really will get us, get us a chance to show, you know, how much better are you than Texas? Are you better than L.A. right now within your own division? You know, and I've done a lot of soul searching about my fandom on this kind of issue. It's, uh, you know, do I get too sort of lost in the weeds and stop seeing the forest through the trees? You know, we can sit here and dissect a guy's exit velocity until we're blue in the face, but what does that matter if the team's losing games? And I think it does it. We every now and again, I need to know a little refresher on my own side to say, well, why do I care about these things? It's because of the end result. How are we doing with that end result? 
And I, that's why I wanted to kind of level it off with that last piece is because I think it's really important that we don't lose sight as much as we love the analytics and they're helpful. We shouldn't lose sight of the goal that is to win the game. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the context of this season, I think certainly changed last Sunday and, and that, uh, that this team, you know, being kind of the let's tank again, be kind of agnostic to, to the idea of wins and success uh, given what, the, the kind of collective dynamic in the locker room seems to be, which is j- basically fuck management uh, yes. that, that, uh, that kind of might run counter. And so it might be time to not push the chips in and not, not sell yourself short, but uh, really take this seriously and see what you have here. Because, you know, we've talked about this before in, in previous iterations of the podcast, we don't know if Scott service is the guy, like we don't know no. if, if he's, if he's built to do that, but he's basically been off the table of us even talking about that because the team has not been, trying to do the winning thing and so we're judging, exactly. him, judging him on the other stuff which he's done a good job of yeah and i think honestly speaking of service really quickly he did a very very professional job handling this this last couple of weeks yeah i think he's a great guy yeah. um great guy full stop put the period at the mm-hmm. end of that but i i do think that he is equipped for for this moment um especially mm-hmm. but you know i mean Rick Renteria is, is, is the, the guy been had it happen to him twice with the Cubs and the White Sox yeah. of, of, you know, getting a team to a certain point and then just not being good enough because then yeah. now the team's getting serious. So we'll see. Uh, okay. That was awesome. You killed that uh, un, un, unexpectedly. I, I do appreciate that. I can even try and throw you a, a knuckle curve and, and you just freaking just crush that. Mm-hmm. Over, over the yeah, well, thank you. Um, but uh, and not even it's an accidental knuckle curve. It fell out of my hand. But uh, <laughs> let's get into the stuff that's more, you know, my wheelhouse, which is uh, yeah. absurdity. And so we are hoping to, to put a slogan on this this year's team. Um, the official slogan seems to be see us rise which mm-hmm. is really stupid for a lot of reasons. They, first of all, C is like SEA. So, you know, yeah, yeah, Mar- yeah. Mariners, all that. Um, is, it a, is it like a riff on like global warming? <laughs> well, that was my thing is it's a little triggering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like see our city go underwater is, is uh, like kind of, kind of. The, dude, we are on sea level here. We're going to be one of the first ones to go under after when the, when the, the tides rise. Yeah. It would be like, especially bad if it was like Miami or something or, but yeah. um so that, that's a little tough, but also the Celtics had this like three seasons ago that they, they had. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the, it was like the CS rise. Every team had some stupid, you know, hashtag that the NBA probably made them have, but theirs was CS rise and people would make fun of them because it looked like cuss cries was like the way that the logo looked. Anyways, we can do better than CS rise. Uh, so I don't know how many you have. I have like I six, have, seven. And I really want it. You, you have what? I, I just have one, and I, this is the one I'm throwing all my weight behind. Can I go first? Yeah, absolutely. DMGB. And we still don't know <laughs> yes. what it means. <laughs> yes. It's like the numbers in... Leave it ambiguous for the rest of our lives. It's like the numbers in Lost. Like, we just didn't know what that meant for, <laughs> for so long. Um, yeah, DMGB, was it uh, Sam it was it was a reliever right just wore a dmg it was a yeah well, but they DMGB were, a lot of them it. were wearing it a lot of them were wearing it yeah and we never found out yeah uh, what 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 the hell that meant um yeah damn we had some good ideas for what that was um 
but uh okay well i will i will give you a few of these here and you can let me know Yours, your idea was my favorite to most games back <laughs> yeah <laughs> that for that season yeah it made sense uh see so, us crest is is one because that was the crest has been the the word that depoto has has used a couple yeah. times uh that this is the cresting season um the, this one is a layup it's always been used already but the very boring thing that's that's oh yeah the, yeah, the yeah. Very, very boring t-shirts in reference well, okay. to marco gonzalez question about that mm-hmm. i want to hear your perspective on this um do you think the mariners okay it would be so funny if they did this but if the mariners started selling those shirts at the team store and like capitalizing off of their president putting his foot in his mouth <laughs> it would be it would be peak capitalism in that, in that sense and yeah they'd have to like donate it back to marco's charity or something like that but but i do think yeah. that, that, that would be if i ran the mariners i would do that um but you know, yeah that's would never happen for lots of different reasons um so yeah very boring uh, I do think that that could be a really good Mariners commercial. I don't know if, the, if they've uh, done the job of actually filming those yet, but doing a, a very boring Mariners commercial with Marco of like, uh, you know, incessantly boring scenes. Uh, another one I had is how's our English. I think it would be. Oh, would be, <laughs> that one would be saucy. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like in different languages, you know, so yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, that in, in Japanese and in Spanish. Um, I've got one. You've got to extend these guys. <laughs> uh, another one is this being recorded uh, would, uh is this game on tv is is another one that that uh, certainly matters and my favorite are you ready okay yeah uh, a play on the manager's last name so when i say the word think of it that way service time <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's the best one service i figured time. it would be uh I think that's pretty good. Like I like if if we if we hit a point this this season where we have like a thousand listeners or whatever, so some arbitrary number that would define it success broadly, yeah. we're gonna make service time t-shirts. Service time is 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 the unofficial logo of this of this year. I think it's perfect. It captures everything about the last, you know, few weeks. And honestly, you could say the last 20 years. We just talked about it is Scott Service's time to, to show yeah. us what he's got. So it's it's service, service time. time, baby. Um, great. Well, that one well, works on a lot of levels. I think that's the winner. <clears throat> All right. Well, I've done my job. You 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 bring the stats and I, I bring that nonsense. Um, we'll end this. I, I didn't even have this in the notes for you, but we called it the yellow hydro for so many, so many times. Yeah. This, this is our like favorite thing of the week. Yeah. Um, we're going to call it the golden hydro. We're just going to upgrade it. Um, okay to, to, yeah, a, just to a level yeah, yeah to a level on, on never before seen this week's golden hydro i have two um okay. first one uh happy fatherhood to marco gonzalez and his, mm-hmm. his wife monica a former former guest of the podcast um congratulations to him and another one to julio rodriguez for just yes. being just that, being a delight the in the yeah. last last week and a half despite all of this just seems unfazed. what a human being what yeah. a human and i will say this it was insane to me that uh, one of his teammates, Austin Shen, who's kind of, you know, he's a mid-level prospect in the organization, by no means has any sort of massive cachet with the team. But he just dropped this story out of nowhere where it was like, oh, my mom was battling cancer. Oh, Julio, yeah. Julio helped her with her Spanish classes. This kid is quite literally one of the best people I've ever heard, heard of. Like, and, you know, Julio is this you know, number five ranked prospect in all of baseball. He has, uh, you know, 
his own podcast, vibing with J-Rod or whatever. And he has absolutely no incentive to worry about anybody but himself. But he's helping this mid-level kid in the Mariners organization, mom with Spanish, just because he's that good of a guy. Like, I, I, and you just, I don't want to harp on Kelnick, but you just contrast the way the two have handled it. And, and I think it's, it's, it's pretty stark why I love Julio the way I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and Julio has not had, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of different human violations of like what Kevin Mather said about either of those two young guys of, you know, manipulating your service time versus like disrespecting your culture. Yeah. Of, like, yeah. You know, what's, what's more offensive. And, you know, I, I certainly have my opinion on that, but uh, yeah. You know, and I, I don't want to say that, you know, we like Julio Rodriguez because he's a brave soldier and he didn't, he didn't speak out against this because it must have sucked yeah. and, and he probably has thoughts, but, but he did speak out against it. And yeah. I think he spoke out against it in a very mature way. And he handled it just with the utmost grace and like elegance. And I, I just, I just could not imagine that sort of maturity from a 19 year old kid. I just, it was, it was so mature. It was so professional and appropriate. I just thought the world of him. The type of guy you want to see just skyrocket through the minors. Yep. Because, uh, yeah. I just can't wait to see him be a regular part of this team because you know, once he's here, it'll be not just great and, and, amazing from a baseball perspective but fun and pure in, in a, yeah in from a human season. perspective because ultimately baseball is a human story so well prophetic words for us to end on phil we'll stop right there uh we are two weeks in the books uh feeling good we are back with you next week uh phil and i'll probably decide on what to talk about around monday night uh mm-hmm. before before <laughs> before the episode well we uh, to be fair we have to let you know the next week play out see if there's any storylines worth mentioning we got a game on espn tomorrow baby so so we'll actually be able to, to watch some yeah stuff. we'll actually uh, be able to watch that yep well phil uh as i always say to you it is service time so we, we gotta go 